Hello, welcome to Secrets to Gut Health webinar. Exciting. Thank you for coming for this webinar and listening. Or thank you for, you know, tuning in and being involved. And uh, it's an honor, really, truly an honor to uh, just be here talking to you and, and, and being all together like this. And just, look, it's an honor just to know that you're there, that you're, you want to learn this information. And um, it warms my heart. And it really does. It really does. You know, I get, I get, uh, get little teary eyed when I think about it, because listen, you know, it, it's, you're becoming an expert. You're really becoming an expert. It's like, there's something about that, that just, it gives me tingles up and down my, <laughs> it raises my neck hair, it gives me chills and tingles, the good ones, not the symptoms, <laughs> not the symptoms. And it gives me the <laughs> good feeling to know that you're changing the world with me, that we're doing it. It, it you know, it, it was so hard. It started out in childhood with spirit saying to me, look, we have to get ahead somehow of the misinformation that's out there in any way we can. We have to help people. And, and hearing that when I was young, it just, it was too much. It was just way too much. So what is he talking about? What is spirit talking about? And, it was really hard to really kind of bite into that. And then, you know, as the years went on, I said, okay, it's time to do this. It's time to do this. Now we have to really do this because there's so much misinformation out there. It's flooded like never before. And I remember even 10 years ago, 10 years ago, there was, there, first of all, there was barely any information out there. Number one. I mean, I was giving information just as advanced now, um, to my, to my clients all the time. And uh, other doctors at that time, but there wasn't really, you know, it was still kind of early 10, 15 years ago, still kind of early in the making of, of, of what was happening out there with the misinformation all, you know, flying around the internet. It wasn't so saturated. There weren't so many different belief systems saturated in, in the system out there of misinformation. So there was lack of information. There was a lack of information, and this was really hard, really hard, especially for, hard for younger people that were sick with chronic illness. Oh, my God. And you may be one of them. You may have been one of them, and you may be one of them now, a younger person now dealing with symptoms and things like that now. And, you know, and and it, it's it's difficult. Well, back 10, 15 years ago, there was just nothing there. There was nothing there. And uh, you go a little bit further, really nothing there. Oh, my God. And so I was able to deliver this information just as just as up to date and advanced as it is decades ahead of what's out there even now. I was able to deliver that to people back then, going all the way back. But there wasn't, there wasn't that flood of misinformation that was out there to a degree now. Oh my God. And, and to, so that's why it's so important that you're becoming an expert. Look, the thyroid healing book, when you actually get into this book, the information is, is mind blowing and you'll become that expert in, in the thyroid world and in the, in the thyroid help in the thyroid health. And you'll be able to help anybody. And if you don't want to help anybody, it's okay. You just, you work on yourself. But what's going to happen is somebody's going to, you know, you're going to bump into somebody and they're going to be like, whether it's an aunt, an uncle, whether it's an old friend, whatever it is. And they're going to be like, yeah, I got this thyroid problem. And you're going to know so much, so much. 
and it's a big deal. It's a really big deal. So it's an honor to just have you here. And, you know, back, like I said, back 10 years ago and a little further, when you were, when you were younger, when, meaning when someone was young at that time and had a problem, whether they had a condition coming on, mystery symptoms, you name it, they're going to doctors, and there was just nothing on the Internet and what was out there, you know, I mean, wasn't that great. So that was difficult. And then, of course... If you're, if, if, you know, 10 years ago, if, if you weren't a young person and you were, you know, you were whatever, a little bit older, whatever, and then were sick chronically back 20, 30 years ago, oh my God, you know, it's, it was so difficult. People have, have been through so much with their journey in healing. And now today they, they have challenges that are a little bit different challenges of so many different things to choose from so much different information to choose from where to go, what to do, how to do it. And, and that's why I, I, you know, I've always, always say, that's why I say in in front of my radio shows too, now that this is the only place and and I know that's pushing it, right? The way I'm saying it, I know it, but it's, I promise you, it's true. This is the only place where the information is not tampered with and it's not manipulated by any kind of interest group but along the way if other information was or, you know, medical funding with the strings attached and the, the botched up research, the thumb on the scale research, you know, the lobbyists that no one knows about in alternative medicine. I mean, oh my God, there's lobbyists in alternative medicine. Nobody knows this. I mean, nobody talks about it. It's unreal. And the internal kickbacks, the persuaded belief systems, both conventional and alternative, and the private panels of people, the private panels of people that make decisions for you that have, don't even have health problems, so they don't even know what you went through, and the health field payoffs, and the trendy traps that are online. And... So, yeah, and, and, of course, in other books. So I say that this is the only place that doesn't have that. No, this information's pure. It's untampered with. It's clean. It comes from the source I was born to hear. And that source makes you the expert. That source makes you the expert. It takes you to that next the level, that level that, you know, you just – we can't find any other place right now when it comes down to chronic illness, when it comes down to chronic illness. So, and that's most important because chronic illness leads to so many things. It leads to all kinds of trouble and problems and everything else. Chronic illness, that's where we're in trouble here, meaning in the industries and we have to, we have to do something about it. And that's what these books are. That's what the thyroid healing book is. So thank you for being here at this webinar. We're talking about the secrets of gut health, the secrets of gut health. And I want to, I want to kind of tie it into the thyroid a little bit. Because everything right now is getting blamed on the thyroid too. So the thyroid experts of the day are trying to push everything into the thyroid, every symptom into, into it being the thyroid. I don't know if you're experiencing that yet. I don't know if that's something that you know, you've, you've come across or you, you've experienced yet. But that's what's happening. So it's all getting pointed to the thyroid. If it's not getting pointed to Lyme disease, it gets pointed to the thyroid now. That's what's happening. 
So, you know, any kind of aches and pains, fatigue, um, you know, brain fog, confusion, uh, no sex drive, um, all these different things, you know, that you have loss of libido, whatever, all that, it's getting, it's getting thrown into the thyroid package now. That's where all that's going. Weight gain, everything else gets thrown into the, the thyroid package. And maybe you're not up, maybe you haven't gotten to that point yet. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you're just a curious thyroid information seeker. You've been told you might have a thyroid problem. You haven't really been through too much. You're not diagnosed with Hashimoto's, or maybe you've been diagnosed with Hashimoto's. And, you know, you're not really, you're not really being thrown into the whole new package that's coming out lately that's trying to be like, hey, this is ahead of the curve. This, this big package of misinformation where... There's a whole bunch of experts now on thyroid claiming that all these symptoms are your thyroid and, and how glorious is it that we have this big answer. And so it's making these thyroid experts of today look like they're, they're, they, they know what's going on. But that's not how it works. All these symptoms are not thyroid-related, are not thyroid-related. And they're even throwing um, gut health issues, many different gut health issues into into thyroid relation. Now, we're going to break this apart. We're going to talk about what's going on. Thyroid problems, thyroid problems. And I have, I have over 100 symptoms and conditions in thyroid healing that I explain to what's going on to what degree, if it's thyroid-related or not thyroid-related. And <clears throat> there's, um, there's, there's, Undiscovered hormones within the thyroid that are not even discovered by research and science yet and what these hormones do and what your, the capabilities of what your thyroid does that research, research and science hasn't even touched upon what the thyroid can do for you and what it's doing for you even when it's hypo, even when it's partially removed or removed. You wouldn't believe what it can do. So basically though – so the hip thing, the hip trendy new thing, is you package it all into thyroid. So you know, you go to your doctor. Well, I'm just gaining some weight, and I got some bloating. Well, let's check. It's probably your thyroid now. Oh, let's see. Oh, yeah, the thyroid numbers are off, or the thyroid numbers are fine, but I still suspect you have a hidden thyroid problem. So we're going to start addressing that no matter what. Well, perimenopause, menopause. Oh no, it's your thyroid. Definitely your thyroid. Meaning that's what you're going to hear. That's what you hear. And men too. Look, men too. Men will, will hear thyroid now. They're just they're getting pushed into the thyroid cart too. You know, it's like, yeah, it's like being online. You're ordering something and there's a shopping cart. You're getting pushed into the thyroid cart. Um, yeah, memory loss, brain fog, difficulty concentrating. Oh, you get skull packaged and thrown into the thyroid. Insatiable hunger. And get thrown into the thyroid. Puffy face, puffy eyes are thrown into the thyroid. Edema thrown into the thyroid, meaning fluid retention or any kind of uncomfortable nature, aches and pains, anything, a little bit of fever, whatever, fever on and off, or, or just lots of different things like depression, depression thrown into the thyroid. That's one that's really getting pushed into the thyroid now by the experts, by the new experts of today. Um, and... We're going we're gonna to break this up a little bit. We're going to get into it a little bit. And I know this is a gut health show. And, and, and so 
if you're you know tuned to hey i wanted to hear all about gut health he's all he's all hung up hung up on thyroid but there's a reason why we're kind of chopping into that a little bit there's there's a reason we're going to chop also into celiac disease right i mean some of you are probably like interested in that one um leaky gut colitis ibs sibo bloating gastritis so you know the, the, those are pretty fun to, to get into too right so we're going to do that candida we'll get into a little bit of candida too right but we're going to get into some other cool things too with it all and um and we got some time we got some time to play. We got some time to play and do this. So that's what we're doing, okay? So um, you got your herbal tea? Do you have what you need? You're relaxing? Because uh, these webinars do take a little bit longer than just the, the radio show that I do and so forth. So, you know, make sure you're nice and tucked in or relaxed or however. And uh, if you're taking notes, you're taking notes or whatever you need to do. Um, so... Let's talk about this a little bit. Constipation's getting thrown into the whole thyroid, the whole thyroid package lately. Um, well, if your thyroid's not not uh, up to par, if it's not producing what it needs to produce, if it's not producing the hormone it needs to produce, if there's anything going on with the thyroid whatsoever, um, if it's inflamed, if there's Hashimoto's, but you also have other symptoms involved. And that's why everything's getting packaged into the thyroid. So it's like one of these things where, you know, a doctor, an expert or somebody will be like, well, um, there's constipation too. So that's got to be the thyroid. So the, the thyroid hormones are lacking. So the constipation is going to be happening. So that's something that's occurring right now in the, in the new world of medicine that we, we live in today. But they don't have much to do with each other. They don't have much to do with each other at all. Constipation, you know, that's, that's mostly with other things happening, like inflammation occurring in the small intestinal tract, inflammation occurring in the colon. That's more to do with constipation. Um, less peristaltic action due to inflammation. Um, the nervous system, certain nerves going all to the colon or the small intestinal tract that allow for creating that peristaltic action, maybe not be getting the right signals through those nerves. The person may not be getting the right signals going through those nerves, going to the colon, going to the small intestinal tract to give it that twist it needs. A liver issue, big one for constipation, sluggish liver, stagnant liver. That's a big one for constipation. Very big one. Okay, so these are more of what we're talking about. Why would the intestinal tract or colon be inflamed? Could be a viral issue going on inside the liver. A little bit of old Epstein-Barr. Maybe some other kind of virus in the liver going on. And maybe a little bit of streptococcus. A little bit of strep chronic that's always in the intestinal tract small intestinal tract or large intestinal tract causing some inflammation, a little bit pockets of E. coli causing some inflammation as well. Um, toxins coming from a sluggish liver. And there's a lot of different toxins that sit inside a liver. 
And those toxins can get into the colon and into the intestinal tract. Let's cover some of those toxins. Toxins from medications such as thyroid medication. Yeah, the thyroid medication is, is a funny thing because it builds up in the liver. So it just builds up, it builds up, it builds up, it builds up. The liver has to absorb it like a sponge nonstop for years and years and years. Then it has to figure out a way to get that thyroid medication out. Liver gets nice and sluggish. It can't function anymore. The thyroid medication has to get out somehow. It finds its way inside the colon over time and sits in the lining of the colon, doesn't leave so fast. Medications, they're not quick to leave the body. They're not one of these things that they're just so quick to leave the body. That's not how medications work, especially thyroid medication. It's not a medication that actually leaves the body so quickly. Toxic heavy metals, lead, chromium, nickel. So lead, chromium, nickel, mercury, aluminum, copper, uh, arsenic. The list goes on. So heavy toxic heavy metals inside the liver, viruses, Epstein-Barr, HHV-6, shingles, cytomegalovirus, viral toxins that create so many symptoms that we talk about in thyroid healing. When I say we, it's spirit and I talk about in thyroid healing. So all, all the different symptoms that we get for chronic illnesses like chronic fatigue syndrome, all the tingles and numbs, all this different stuff. There's neurotoxins related. And, but like I said, you know, these illnesses, these symptoms get totally thrown into the thyroid basket now. That's what the experts do because the experts don't know, you know, the, the recent information that's out there, internet or books or whatever. They just don't know where these symptoms come from. So, Hey, they're heroes. It comes from the thyroid now. That's the new thing. So now the heroes. It's not coming from the thyroid. It's not. The thyroid is just one more symptom with everything else. It's one more symptom with everything else. That's the big secret. That's the big truth. The thyroid is just one more symptom. The thyroid does have problems. It does get injured. It does get involved. We're going to go into that a little bit today, but we're going to do that even more in the next webinar. It's going to be focused mainly on thyroid. This is about the gut. But so what happens is everything is just thrown into the thyroid basket. So you could have the neurotoxins inside the liver, the dermatoxins inside the liver, viral casing so that the dead bodies of viruses and bacteria and all kinds of great stuff, pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, rodenticides, insecticides, they all sit inside the liver, radiation sits in liver, solvents, and fat. Fat sit inside the liver. Fats, it's old rancid fats coagulate and they just sit inside the liver and they weaken the liver, make the liver sluggish. And then we have constipation. We have bloating. We have sometimes bouts of gastritis. We get to a point where we get set up for diverticulitis, diverticulosis down the road. Our candida levels can rise because candida is trying to save our butts, trying to save our butts. It's a whole other thing we'll talk about a little bit. I know I talked about it before on one of the radio shows, but I try to give you guys even additional information if I can. So 
there's all these things that sit inside the liver, make it sluggish, make it dysfunctional. And the liver plays a role more in thyroid symptoms than anything else almost. That's what's unbelievable. And the liver plays a role in so much of our gut health issues. It is unbelievable how much the liver, liver plays a role in our gut health issues. When the liver weakens, it breaks down. It gets sluggish, it gets stagnant, and it can't produce the bile needed. It can't produce the bile. The bile strength, the bile salt strength is reduced. So when that bile starts popping out the gallbladder, and it starts popping out of the gallbladder, and it's getting down in there, and the small to the, the, the top of the small intestinal tract and the duodenum and that whole area it's weak it's weaker it's weaker bile fluid it's weaker and when it's weaker it can't break down fat so the fats go rancid so people on a high fat diet there'd be a lot of eat, like eating a lot of chicken which is high fat doesn't matter if it's lean breast with no skin on, it's still high fat. It's just, you know, because that's the calorie inside the chicken. If they're eating too many nuts, somebody's eating too many nuts, or you got a vegan eating too many nuts, way too many nuts and nut butters, um, way too much chocolate or whatever it is, then you got, you got all that fat that the bile's having a difficulty break down. Someone's eating lots of grass-fed beef, got all that fat in it. Doesn't, I'm not talking about brisket. I'm not talking about ribs. I'm talking about just the leanest cut you could find. Still lots of fat in there. If someone's just, you know, I don't know. If someone's eating tons of coconut oil and lots of avocados, too many avocados. They're eating six, eight avocados a day. People do that. And, and it's a good, healthy food. And look, if you're in the animal protein, yeah, lean grass-fed beef is the, the safest way to go. But all these fats, what they do, they're hard to, hard to break down. See, I don't, I, don't, I don't stick myself to a belief system. Spirit told me a long time ago, if you fall into one belief system, I'm done with you. Spirit said Spirit was kidding. Spirit has a sense of humor. You have to have a sense of humor. You have to have a, spirit, uh, a sense of humor. I've actually asked Spirit about that along the way. I said, why do you have a sense of humor? Spirit, Spirit, Spirit said, that, you know, that truly tapped in joy, that truly tapped in compassion, that truly tra- tapped in love, that truly... That true true place, there's humor, there's joy and humor with it. There's lighthearted nature in, in, in it. And Spirit said, look, you can't get this belief system and you can't just stay with this one belief system. And you get stuck in that and then you can't help everybody. You just help some people because part of that belief system is good. Like there's no processed foods. Everybody's adopted that at this point. So then you do help somebody. You help somebody that's on a fast food diet to get off fast food diet to eat a certain way. But it doesn't mean it's the right way entirely for their conditions. So you can't fall into a belief system, right? And so I can't do that. I'm not allowed to do that. And I wanted to fall into a belief system badly, just like anybody would or any practitioner or any healer or whatever. I wanted to. Spirit wouldn't let me. Kept me on my toes. To make sure you get the right information. I wanted to believe Candida was really bad. I wanted that. I mean, that's what I wanted. Like, yeah, Candida. No, Spirit said, no. You kill all your Candida, you die. You can't live without Candida. Candida 
allows absorption of nutrients to get into the bloodstream, to allows no, that's, that's the osmosis machine, that candida is your lifeline. We're not told that. Candida gets out of control, it grows because you're dumping so much because, okay, okay, this is a good point right here that I got to connect, is the bile salts get so weak from the liver, from the liver breaking down with all this garbage that the bile salts weaken, can't break down the fats. The fats get rancid, they go into the intestinal tract, and guess what feeds off of it? Bacteria. So candida has to step up its game. It has to say, no, 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 you can't do that. I don't want streptococcus feeding off all this and creating SIBO. Yes, I don't want uh, streptococcus feeding off of all this rancid fat that can't break down enough and rancid protein that can't break down enough. I don't want that being fed to streptococcus E. coli, C. diff, staph. I don't want it being fed to Epstein-Barr, to shingles, Variety number 21, a non-rashing one. I don't want this being fed to all that. So candida is programmed, programmed by something above our bodies, up in the atmosphere, up in the heavens, up, up high. Candida has a message being delivered to it all the time. It has a will to keep you alive. So it'll rise up and it'll outgrow, and then some somebody's going to say, "Oh, you got your candida's out of control. That's your problem. We have to kill off your candida." No, the problem is we have to stop feeding some of these bad bacteria and other things that create SIBO and everything because candida is trying to save the day. It's trying to eat all that food, so it ends up growing more and more because it's trying to eat all that bad food that's rancid and not breaking down, so it could save your butt. See. But I wanted a belief system when I was younger. I'd be like, oh, candida? Spirit said, yeah, well, I want to tell you about this fungus. I'm like, oh, fungus is bad, bad, no. And Spirit's like, don't fall into a belief. So you have to understand what this does, no matter what information lies out there. So I can't look at information. I can't ever. I can't, I can't read books. And I get polluted because that information's been polluted somewhere originally, wherever it came from. And so in order to keep the stuff pure and clean, so it comes to you pure and clean, untampered with. So that's how candida works. So when the liver gets sluggish and breaks down and gets weaker, it's still your hero. Your liver's still your hero. You got to love your liver. You have to love it. But it's still your hero. That's not your thyroid. That's not your thyroid causing the symptoms. That's not your thyroid causing the constipation. That's not your thyroid causing brain fog, difficulty concentrating. Those are poisons and toxins. Those are poisons and toxins coming from other things. Like, for instance, brain fog. That's, that's a symptom from Epstein-Barr. That's a, symptoms, that's a symptom from neurotoxins floating around in the bloodstream produced by a virus. And the liver has a lot of neurotoxins in it from a virus like Epstein-Barr. It just so happens you may also have a thyroid problem too eventually. And thyroid healing explains why. Because the thyroid becomes a victim, another victim, another target for something like Epstein-Barr. But originally, the, the brain fog is from pollutants, from the liver weakening, from it having something going on in it, in it and the difficulty concentrating. There's also the you know, heavy metals oxidize, and they're in the liver, they oxidize, and they're, 
They could be in the brain too and oxidize. And then viruses such as the Epstein-Barr can feed off of the heavy metals and create more neurotoxins and then more brain fog. But then you go to the doctor, they see also something's low on the numbers of the thyroid. And then boom, you got a thyroid diagnosis connecting to that symptom. And that's, that's not advanced enough. I got to tell you, that's still years behind. That's still antiquity, antiquity compared to what we're, we're delivering to you guys. I'm not saying that because I'm boasting. I'm saying that because you got to have the right info. You don't want the wrong info. I can't tell you how many people who met me along the way said, if I only had this information 20 years ago, where were you? They said to me. I said, oh, I was giving this information 20 years ago. I was giving that information 25 years ago, even more, even further. I was doing it. I just didn't meet you. You had no way of knowing how to get to me at that time. But it was there. And when you, when you have this information, you have knowledge, you only strengthen from it. And you only heal from it. So constipation happens is when all these fats, they don't break down good enough. All that protein doesn't break down good enough. And the protein won't break down good enough because your hydrochloric acid levels go down. They weaken in the stomach. Hydrochloric acid weakens in the stomach. Hydrochloric acid weakens in the stomach. Then gastric juices weaken. Gastric juices weaken. Gastric juices weaken. We get in trouble. Then protein doesn't break down good and that rots in the small intestinal tract. Feed SIBO, which is streptococcus. SIBO is not just if if you haven't heard my SIBO show, SIBO isn't just okay. That's the label. That's what it is. Practitioners don't know SIBO is mostly strep. They don't know that strep is the dominant bacteria that creates SIBO. That's the one. That's the one that camps out. That's the one that does the most. That's the, that's the SIBO creator. So you got rotting protein going down into the small intestinal tract and into the, into the colon. You got rotting protein going down in there. You got rancid, putrid fat going down. So your bile's weak. It's not breaking down the fats. Your hydrochloric acid's weak. It's not breaking down the proteins. You get a feeding frenzy. It's like being on a boat and throwing a whole bunch of chum. Is that what it is? Chum? It's called chum, I think. You throw a whole bunch of chum in the water. Buckets of it. Blood, guts, fish guts. You know, fish heads. Just throw it in the water and then all of a sudden, you know... 20 minutes later, you just see a fin of a shark. Now, that's what it's like. You know, when this stuff drops into the small intestinal tract, you get this feeding frenzy, and this feeding frenzy can go on for years before you even get a SIBO diagnosis. But you could be getting constipation in between it and out of it. You may get constipation just later on, not even yet. And... So as the bacteria is eating the food, then you begin the, the new thing now, because I even think practitioners are kind of forgetting about candida. They kind of know that there's holes in that one. So now they're just, everybody's getting a SIBO diagnosis. 
So they're getting a SIBO diagnosis. Got a gut problem with SIBO. You got a gut problem with SIBO. No, you got a gut problem with strep. It's other bugs. It's strep, but mostly strep, eating, eating, and eating. You can't eat. It's just trying to protect you, trying to trying to save you. But this can cause this can cause problems. All of it can cause problems. Meaning, you get the constipation. You could get eventually inflammation from strep growing, outgrowing the candida, and then you get the constipation. Then you get diagnosed with IBS, bouts of constipation, bouts of constipation on and off, bloating, gas, go to another doctor and they're like, well, you got irritable bowel syndrome. What does that mean? I don't know. Maybe you got celiac disease. What does that mean? Oh, autoimmune. That's wrong too. It's not autoimmune. That's wrong. Celiac isn't your body destroying itself. That's a massive mistake. You know, there's a chapter, well, no, there's a set of chapters in thyroid healing. And, you know, when you you read this set of chapters, I think it's like, I don't know, 12 or 13, 14 chapters on the great mistakes. And one of the greatest mistakes is autoimmune, blaming the body for destroying itself. So celiac is now considered the body destroying itself, body attacking itself, body attacking the colon, body attacking organs, body attacking, you know, the intestinal tract. So that's where celiac disease headed. And that's where it it is now. Um, So it's not the body attacking itself. It's not at all. Celiac, first of all, gluten is a trigger the reason why gluten is a trigger is it, it feeds streps. It's one of streps' favorite foods, chronic strep. Well, where, where did you get chronic strep? Well, if you have it in your system since your childhood, and if you've taken any antibiotics in your childhood or throughout your life, those antibiotics just you know strengthen the strep up along the way. That's how it works for all of us. Well, that can lead to SIBO. That can lead to just plain old symptoms, IBS. It can lead to celiac and then when you get something like Epstein-Barr in, in the system and in the liver, slowing down the liver and doing other things, and the celiac symptoms can get worse because the liver gets worse. The liver's, if the liver's sluggish and slow, the bile doesn't break down the fats. If your hydrochloric acid's low, the proteins don't break down. Your celiac can get worse. You eat one piece of white bread, your celiac flares up because the strep is flaring up. The meaning the strep is getting a feeding frenzy. You have a piece of cheese over a neighbor's house, and then three days later, your celiac is up. It's not the body attacking itself. This is another great mistake. Great mistake. So that's how celiac works. It's a little touch about it. Um, Hydrochloric acid isn't just one blend. Science and research hasn't discovered that it's a blend of seven. And you can have three out of that seven be low, but one out of that seven be high, and that's all they can do. They can get a false reading. Oh, you got good enough hydrochloric acid because because they don't know what they're looking for. If science and research hasn't doesn't know something exists, they haven't developed a test to find it, so then it's not on the radar. That's how it works. Same thing with the two undiscovered hormones that's in the thyroid healing book. Those two undiscovered hormones that I brought to the table in that book for the first time in history, I think you're going to really appreciate because when you read about what these do, it's unbelievable what they do. 
but science research doesn't know they exist because they haven't they don't know what they're looking for they have developed a test that's not how it's not science research stumbles across things they don't know what they're ever looking for with anything going all the way back that's how this is just how it works and i've had scientists tell me this tell me that they just it's all about stumbling across things that's how it is it's if you're lucky to stumble across something that's that's how research and science works you know and and so they haven't stumbled across the other two hormones a thyroid has they're too comfortable with thinking they've already figured it out so they're not even going to look in hopes to stumble so um they haven't stumbled across the seven blend of the hydrochloric acid so that's the, that's what i'm trying to say <laughs> i don't want to tail off on tail off to never 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 land but what happens is that with the hydrochloric acid if you have a few of the different blend that's weakened it's not going to do its thing it's first of all it's not going to kill bugs the way it needs to kill bugs it's not going to break down protein the way it needs to break down protein so proteins rot and they feed strep which can get you any kind of diagnosis in the end like ibs celiac i mean it can get you any kind overall it can get you a Crohn's diagnosis. It can get you any kind of diagnosis. And that's how it works. Colitis is a virus in the shingles family. It's one of the viruses in the shingles family. There's over 30 uh, varieties that we brought to the table. If you heard that somewhere else now, that's only because it came from me originally. So you know. So you're not like, oh, wait, I heard that. No, no, it came from here. It's important to know that. So you just say, so you know, hey, this is how it works with colitis. Colitis is a shingles virus that inflames the lining, the inner linings of the colon. And even can move up a little higher than that to the small intestinal tract. And you can get the ruptures. You can get, you know, blood vessels can rupture. Then you can also have it mild. Where there's no, there's really mild, mild blood vessel rupturing. But that's the shingles virus causing that. But... Well, you know, that's thrown into autoimmune too, the body attacking itself. That's not the body attacking itself creating colitis and inflammation. There's a pathogen, the shingles virus, creating inflammation. Celiac is not inflammation created by the body attacking itself. The body's looking for a pathogen. The pathogen is inflaming the lining of the colon. That's how it works. So important to know. So important to know. I mean, you know, if if someone, I mean, someone had the option. You either know the truth or you don't. Well, actually, that's not even a good example to use. There's people that don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to know the truth. There, there's, there's plenty of them. So, I, I mean, you might even know somebody. I mean, so that's not even a good way of putting it. All I know is I would want to know the right information in my life. And I do, <laughs> no matter what. Um, okay. So, so let's go back to some of this. So leaky gut, let's go back to leaky gut too. You know, what happens is the liver breaks down. It's sluggish. It's slow. Nothing's working right. The biles aren't breaking down the fats. Hydrochloric acid, the seven blend that's undiscovered isn't breaking down the protein properly. It's going in the gut. It's rotting. And it's in there. And what creates is ammonia. You got ammonia gas. 
Ammonia gas is not leaky gut. Leaky gut, if someone had a leaky gut, they'd be in the hospital with 105 temperature and sepsis starting. They would actually be in the hospital. What happens is when someone gets a colonoscopy and they go and, and, and they get a puncture, which happens all the time and they get a puncture, you know, the nurse practitioner or whoever it is, or the doctor, um, is, is, or the, you know, is running up the, running up the camera, you know, with the wire and running up the camera and it, all of a sudden it gets snagged on a corner and it punctures as they're kind of driving it up there. And it happens all the time. Honestly, the mild punctures are like, one out of 10 more severe ones are, you know, probably uh, one out of 15, one out of 20, something like that. And when you get that puncture, you, th- you think you're going to go home with that t- after that test, and you may, but you end up with this raging fever, unbelievable pain, abscess growing in the colon, and you're back in the hospital. I've known people after the colonoscopy, I've known people that have had to sit in the hospital for six months after that baby. Just totally, just six months. Leaky gut. Here's an example. If you get diverticulitis and you got those pockets, and when those pockets even leak the slightest bit because they get so bad, the pockets get so bad, and, and, and they rupture these little pockets, and there's lots of strep and E. coli in these little pockets, and they rupture so bad... That when, when even any, anything gets on the other side of that colon, you got a fever and you're in the hospital. There's no having leaky gut be your condition unless you're literally suffering and you're ending up in the hospital with that fever and that sickness. So the leaky gut whole thing is off. Totally off. Totally off. I can't even go. I mean, I can't even. It's, I talked about it in book one. But ammonia gas builds up with everything I told you about how the liver works and how nothing's breaking down and how everything goes rancid. And, and I told you that, was telling you that that's the ammonia gas builds off of that rancidity, that rancid, those rancid uh, pieces of food, the rancid fat. The liver collects as much as, of it, as, as it can out of the bloodstream and the liver becomes fatty because it's trying to save you in different ways. But it's all going down into the intestinal tract, and there's a feeding frenzy going on on top of it. And, 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 and gases are produced from the feeding frenzy. And not only that, though, the rancid nature, most importantly, the rancid nature of the food because of the weak gut releases a gas. That gas is ammonia. Ammonia isn't leaky gut. It has ghost-like qualities. It can go through a bone. Ammonia can go through a bone literally goes through your bones it can pass through you and out of your skin like a ghost walking through a castle and going right through stone right through stone so ammonia just literally it can go through everything it's not about just going through the lining of the colon or the intestinal tract guys it's not about that and into the bloodstream and make you sick and it doesn't necessarily make you that sick when it even enters in the bloodstream so it's called ammonia permeability. But what it does is it can go through bones. It can go through your teeth. It, it'll just go through you, just right through you and out whatever part of the skin it's going to go out. That's what this does. 
And, and it's not good for you and it's not healthy for you. But that's, that's really as about as extent of leaky gut as you can go. And it's not leaky gut. That's not leaky gut. Ammonia permeability is not really leaky gut at all because there's nothing leaking out of your gut because ammonia will, will leak through anything. It'll go through anything in the body. There's nothing that can stop it, not an organ, nothing. It just goes through. It has a pass to go through everything and every crevice and drive through every single cell there is to get out of your body. Well, that's what it does. Even when the liver tries to be that hero like it is and try to collect it and gather it and, 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 and suck it up, it just goes right through it again. So um, so as far as the leaky gut thing, no, 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 no. But there's neurotoxins that are a different kind of poison that get into the bloodstream that are in the bloodstream and they get in the bloodstream from the liver and they account for so many symptoms that are being bagged into thyroid. It's unbelievable. Right now, everything's being bagged in the thyroid chronic fatigue syndrome. Oh, it's your thyroid after all. So that's what they're all trying to do now. That's what the experts are trying to do now. I can't tell you how off this is. It's not on at all. It's not in your favor. It's not on. It's not real. What happens is that when, when you now chronic fatigue syndrome gets thrown into the thyroid problem or it'll go, get thrown into Lyme disease one or the other and everybody with Lyme disease has thyroid problems and now they're all confused thinking, okay, Maybe it's a thyroid problem in the end now too, but it's not. It's just chronic fatigue. Your chronic fatigue or somebody's chronic fatigue is, is another symptom. That's Epstein-Barr creating that. Your thyroid being off or not doing that good, it's a whole other symptom. It's a whole other thing going on. It's separate. Separate. It's not the thyroid creating the fatigue, even if <laughs> – I mean, I know people missing their thyroids. They have no fatigue. I know people missing their thyroids that are not even on medication that don't have fatigue. So, I mean, there's so many holes in the trendy theories that they're just trying to all bag up right now. So anyway, let's see if we can talk about some more stuff. Puffy face, puffy eyes. That's liver and lymphatic system. It's not, it's not, you know, just the thyroid. That's not the thyroid. Now, with hyperthyroid, you can get the bulging eyes. That's different than puffy eyes, puffy, puffy face. Puffy eyes, puffy face get thrown into hypothyroid. No, it's just that somebody with hypothyroid also has a really, really toxic, sluggish liver and lymphatic system. That's how it works. Oh, what's the symptoms of hypothyroid? Oh, puffy eyes, um, puffy face. Um, no, 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 no. It just so happens somebody has a thyroid problem too, but they also the liver and lymphatic system is creating puffy eyes, puffy face because someone else can have a thyroid problem all the same with no puffy eyes, puffy face. I mean, honestly, honestly, you guys, you wouldn't, I mean, why isn't anybody even focusing out there and figuring this out yet? Because they're not gonna, we have to do it and you have to be the expert and we have to do it. Spirit said to me long ago, you have to do it. I said, I don't want to do it. There's says, no, you have to do it. I picked you. I, I go, I don't want to do it. I don't, I don't care. When I was younger, I was like, I don't care. 
I just want to have fun or do something else. And Spirit says, no, no, no. You have to care. You're the one. Why am I the one? Spirit said, because you're pretty tough. I go, no, I'm not tough. Spirit says, yeah, you're pretty tough. You're going to survive this. You're going to fight for it and survive it. And I had to. And it was no fun. So, but we're here. We're here. So anyway, um, it says puffy eyes, puffy face, how it works. Bulging eyes for hyperthyroid, that's because fluid retention goes right behind the eyes. That right there is is viral, the same virus that creates hyperthyroidism. Um, edema, so edema, edema fluid retention, that's getting, if, if, a, if a doctor can't find a kidney condition or a heart condition, they associate that immediately with the thyroid or hypothyroid. The edema is a liver condition. It's an undiagnosed liver condition, which is part of the gut, part of the gut. So we're on gut health today. So that's, that's the, you know, part of the liver condition. Um, so we talked about IBS a little bit, but we can go into IBS a little bit more. IBS is just, just basically liver that's not functioning good, an intestinal tract that doesn't have a healthy environment because it's got so much putrefying food and, and, uh, and putrefying fat and, and rotting protein. So, and basically from poor digestion, hydrochloric acid issues, and then things like streptococcus can really get out of control. And that's what IBS is. Um, you can get swelling inside the colon, lots of swelling. It can get inflamed. Um, you can have diarrhea and you can have constipation, diarrhea, constipation. You could have parts of the colon, ileocecal valve, all that be, um, you could have this, uh, an inflamed cecum. You can have the uh, ileocecal valve being inflamed uh, due to bacteria and inflammation because of bacteria. That's uh, IBS. You can have even, you could be viral and have a lot of viral toxins inside the intestinal tract that cause IBS too. As well, they'll probably just say IBS is autoimmune down the road too, because they're just going to have to point to everything being the body destroying itself because they don't know what's wrong with anybody. And that's what I talk about in thyroid healing because they don't know what's wrong with anybody. So they're just going to point it out to being it's <clears throat> it's either your genes or your body's attacking itself. Excuse me, going <clears> to <throat> clear my throat here. So um, so that's what happens. So everything's going to go to autoimmune no matter what, even SIBO, I mean, SIBO, whatever, even IBS, you know, all of that's going to go there. All of that's going to go there. Now you can have gastritis without having a lot of gas. I want you to know this. This is something I haven't talked about um, anywhere too. Um, so anybody with gastritis, you may not get diagnosed with gastritis, but you can have gastritis. It depends on how toxic the gas is. So you can have bloating and pain and not move any gas, but yet it's there. You can have no bloating and sharp pains and it'd be little tiny pockets of gas, very little, but the pocket of gas is so toxic that literally it hurts the nerves. So in your intestinal tract, and this is a secret here too, and in your intestinal tract, You've got, you know, all your nerves go to your intestinal tract. It's like your second brain. It's kind of the second or third brain in the body. So all your nerves go to the intestinal tract. And um, basically your intestinal tract is like a puppet with a whole bunch of strings attached to it. Somebody kind of dangling that, you know, dangling a puppet, making it dance. Okay. So the controller on top who's doing all that is the brain. 
and the brain is is giving orders. Nervous system is giving orders directly to every single every single spot in the intestinal tract and colon. And um, so what you know, so what's happening there? What's happening there? is that there's so many nerves going on in there that have even even slightly inflamed in the colon or intestinal tract. If slightly inflamed, if a little pocket of gas that happens to be very toxic from either, you know, some virus viruses or toxic coming, you know, the, you know, basically the liver is so much poison in it or you got the too much bacteria, SIBO creating bacteria like the streptococcus going on and you get this little gas bubble and that gas bubble is just moving around and it hits hot spots. It hits hot nerves, inflamed areas. And when it hits a hot nerve, oh man, you got cramp, you got pain, you got a sharp pain, you got all these different things, but you don't even have to be releasing a lot of gas in order to have this type of gastritis. So that's something to, to, uh, chomp into that's some information there i want to talk about insatiable hunger this is interesting because insatiable hunger is being being thrown into hyperthyroid it's like a definitive symptom right now today of like hyperthyroid insatiable hunger now i know this isn't a hyperthyroid webinar but this is a gut health webinar (laughs) so insatiable hunger is in the gut health arena even though it gets thrown into a mental disorder, it gets thrown into a mental disease, it gets thrown into some kind of, okay, I love when the the theory comes out where it's like, well, no, there's a shutoff switch in the brain and you're not producing a a, a chemical that actually is supposed to do, you know, supposed to shut down your hunger. I love when that that stuff happens, starts to happen. (laughs) Being sarcastic now, we know that. Um, But insatiable hunger gets totally thrown into the basket of hyperthyroidism. And the irony is, is there's more people insatiably hungry that have hypothyroidism. The other irony is there's just as many people as that, that are insatiably hungry that aren't dealing with a thyroid problem at all. But like I said, it's, it's gotta go somewhere. If nobody knows what's going on with anybody, if, no, if nobody knows what's going on anybody, with anybody out there, you got to throw, you got to knock the pool balls into one of the pockets. So, you know, so the whole thing with insatiable hunger gets thrown into hyperthyroid now. Insatiable hunger is a liver glucose deficiency. So it's a glycogen storage deficiency in the liver. So anybody who's just really hungry or a little bit more hungry than somebody else or too hungry, people would think. You know, they can't get enough carbs. They can't get enough anything. They just, they're always hungry. That is, or if they feel like they binge all the time, you know, or they have to binge or something, and then they go without food, then they binge, and they just, there's just always this hunger that just takes over, and they, they can't put down a piece of food or something like that. I mean, whatever it is that they talk about out there, whatever that, that's that what that is, that's a glycogen. Glycogen is glucose that stores up in a liver, in a good liver, and meaning in a liver that's really strong and healthy, it stores up and it sits in there. So it stops insatiable hunger. But what happens is when our livers weaken once again, due to the process I talked about earlier, what happens, you lose your glucose storage. Storage, your glucose storage goes away. Your glycogen storage starts to dissolve in the liver. So then the message is the liver sending it out of 
of insatiable hunger to try to get carbs back in. And a lot of times people don't just know how to do that. They don't know how to just eat some potatoes and some, you know, fruits and other things like that. Instead, they're eating all kinds of things, which causes problem too, because if you're eating all kinds of stuff, the liver's too weak to kind of break it all down. The bile can't break around, you know, break the fat down. Hydrochloric acid can't break down the protein and it just becomes a hoshposh of different things. Too much fat in the blood. Too much fat in the blood stops sugars from building up in the liver. If you can't build up sugar in the liver, you can't get your glycogen storage back up to par inside the liver. If you can't get your glycogen storage back up to par inside the liver, then you get insatiable hunger. Then you keep on eating more and more abominations of whatever you can find. But really what the liver wants is low fat. The liver wants low fat, low fat and low protein. And what the liver really wants is lots of fruits, lots of vegetables, lots of fruits, sweet potatoes, winter squash, things that have carbohydrates, but it doesn't want all the fat. This way can break the food down better with the bile salt and the hydrochloric acid that's been weakened. And then the sugars can actually fill the liver and all the fat in the blood won't get in the way because you won't be eating so much heavy fat. And that's what takes care of insatiable hunger. So that's another secret. Um, well, I mean, we got so much to talk about. I'm just, I'm just kind of, I'm in a place where do I want to go into be cautious about some things we do for the intestinal tract? Do I want to go into that? I think I want to go into that a little bit. <clears throat> okay, sodium bicarbonate. That's a trend and everything. What, what I find about that when we eat that, try to get that in the intestinal tract to make us either alkaline or drop down candida levels or whatever somebody just thinks of each day, um, you, you don't want to do the sodium bicarbonate. Way too hard on the intestinal tract, way too hard on the liver. It's not a good thing to do. So um, I would consider backing down on that if you know someone doing it or whatever. Just, just You just don't want to do it anymore. Um, not good for the intestinal tract lining. Not good for good bacteria. It doesn't help good bacteria. And you don't want to injure your good bacteria. So that's the whole thing. So the whole, you know, the whole... I mean, I've seen some terrible things happen from sodium bicarbonate. I've seen people with the worst Crohn's or the worst colitis actually take that stuff and literally end up in the hospital. It's not smart. I've seen even worse happen to people who've taken diatomaceous earth particles. Um, look, the one thing about picking on a product or picking on something is, you know, I get people angry. I understand that. But I also have to watch your back. Um, I'd stay away from diatomaceous earth particles because it's too harsh on the intestinal linings and it tends to saturate the linings and not leave, meaning it leaves eventually. It just takes too long to leave. So it smothers, it suffocates good bacteria on the linings. It also creates malabsorption. It's too much diatomaceous earth particles stop absorption. It doesn't even allow candida to absorb for you properly. It doesn't even allow your body to absorb properly. So diatomaceous earth particles was a really bad trend and a really bad fad. It's just that what happens is, you know, once these things get rolling, there ain't no stopping. <laughs> once these things get rolling, there ain't no stopping. I don't know what else to say out there, you know? Um, so I would avoid diatomaceous earth particles since we're talking about gut health and, um, 
I didn't want to forget that. If you've already taken it, fine, whatever, just stop taking it. Okay. Some people feel okay with it. Some people, you know, I find that women, they're the ones that get the sickest from it. Uh, men who don't have intestinal tract problems, they can tend to do it, not really feel a difference. They don't know. It's all good, whatever. But, um, but if a guy has a really bad intestinal tract problem, that it, it, it will be bad. I've seen people get sick that way. Guys get sick. Women get way sicker from it, um, way sicker from it. I've seen some terrible things happen. So just hold off diatomaceous earth particles as a remedy, as a detoxification method or remedy, which leads me to clays, 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 C-L-A-Y, right? Clay? I think that's how you spell clay. Clay isn't a good thing either. So clay is way too harsh, way too abrasive, like sandpaper on intestinal linings. You don't want to sandpaper your intestinal linings. When your nervous system delivers messages down to your intestinal tract and your intestinal tract is now doing the peristaltic action, it's, it's trying to sh- sh- move that clay and then food's going down, grabbing onto that clay and rubbing it on the sides of the intestinal tract, rubbing it on the sides of the intestinal tract. So you're getting clay like sandpaper, fine sandpaper. You know, there's something called bonami, bonami or something. I don't know if the, if you have to say it in a fresh in a French way. I think it's you know, I don't know if it's a French word or whatever, right? Bonami, whatever. I don't know, bonami. That stuff in a can, right? You know, that's. I take that stuff and I I like that stuff. Don't eat it. I'm not talking about eating it. I take the can and I put it in the sink and I scrub out the sink. It's a fine, fine, fine powder. It's a fine powder. You know, I'll throw it in the toilet and I'll scrub out the toilet, the toilet, toilet brush with that stuff. And it doesn't feel gritty. It doesn't feel like sandpaper at all. It feels really smooth for some reason. When you put it in your fingers and you rub it together, it's like super smooth. It's like soft, really soft. But when I powder it up in the kitchen sink or in the bathroom sink and I take a sponge or I take a cloth and it just gets rid of every stain and you you could just scrub and wipe and you could get rid of every stain. Even like water stains that have copper in the pipes and everything else, you know, all that. All of a sudden, you're, you got a sparkling clean sink, stainless steel sink too in the kitchen. You can get it like spotless clean looking. And yeah, why? They're really soft and smooth and silky stuff because it's, it, it acts as sandpaper once you apply pressure. So when you have clay... And even diatomaceous earth particles, and it's on the lining of the intestinal tract and colon, what happens is food will go against it and rub. It'll put pressure. If you eat a bigger meal, more pressure. More pressure. I'm not saying don't eat big meals. I mean, whatever. You eat meals that you feel comfortable with. More pressure. And it rubs. Rubs along the sides of the colon in the intestinal tract. And it doesn't clean it. It doesn't clean it. It's not what it's doing. Not what the clay is doing. Somebody's probably out there saying, yeah, what about animals though? They eat clay and they stay healthy. They do that. They're known to eat some clay. Your intestinal tract 
isn't built like a deer's intestinal tract. I can tell you that. It's not built like a deer's intestinal A deer can munch up the most impossible things and the most toxic things and swallow sticks and twigs with toxic alkaloids. I mean, I'm talking about real toxic alkaloids. Make you sick. I mean, put you in a hospital. You ate all those twigs. If you even if you even uh, juiced those twigs and juiced those alkaloids out of you know different twigs from all kinds of different levels of of, of I mean all different species of bushes, shrubs, and, and trees. Man, you even drank a, a, an ounce of that juice, you'd be in the hospital. The tannins in there would just to just annihilate you, meaning it wouldn't kill you. But you'd be so sick. Um, even maple syrup, I mean, even maple water, maple water that they boil away to make maple syrup, maple water has so much tan in it that if you drink too much maple water, you'll just be like drooling. You'll drool. I I remember I was actually, I even did that one time. I, I love maple water. You can only have a little bit of it. This stuff is medicinal. Maple water is different than, you know, like maple syrup when they boil it down to the sugars. Maple water has a lot of tannin in it. A lot of tannin it's hidden in there. You drink it. It's like, wow, it was the freshest, cleanest water I've ever consumed. It was like a miracle. And it is when you drink a little bit of maple water. It's like a miracle. But let me have more. Spirit's like, try not to overdo it. Don't overdo it. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with a friend. We're in the woods. It's his maple. It's his maple set up. He's got it all set up. He's got the containers up against the trees. And, you know, we're upstate and he's, you know, he's doing it. We're upstate in Maine and he's doing it. And we're, so this is great. And I'm like, I'm guzzling the stuff. I'm like, this is incredible. This reminds me of coconut water. And I'm drinking fresh coconut water out of the coconut. And, and you know, and I'm drinking them and, and, you know, I'm drinking it. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, crap. I didn't say crap. I said the bad word. That wouldn't happen. I think I said a couple of bad words. I think I said I think I said the other bad word too. Oh bleep. <laughs> and you know, and it was like, I feel those tannins. Uh oh, overdid it. And Spirit was like, Told you, but when are you gonna learn? You don't listen to me sometimes. I said, Yeah, I know, I'm stubborn. And you know, and so it was the tannins. And that was just and that was maple water. And I was drooling. I had the drools for like three days. Until this day, when I think of maple water, drinking maple water, my stomach turns and I feel nauseous. Tannins can actually give you a memory that connects to the nerves that were affected by the tannin. So I like maple water. I just can't drink it. And if someone does drink it, just drink a little. And then have another, you know, week later, drink a little or a couple days later, drink a little. I believe in maple water. So I'm not anti-maple water. I believe in it. I want, I want people to try it. Just don't drink a ton of that stuff. Don't drink a case of that stuff or like I did, a gallon of that stuff at once. Too much tannin at once. I have a memory to it. Why am I talking about the tannins? I'm talking about the tannins because a deer... Or any other animals, a deer has a different intestinal tract than us. Okay, it can eat things you couldn't believe it can eat. 
It can eat clay, yeah. It can eat clay. It can eat dirt. It can eat clay, no problem. And it can eat clay. It can eat different varieties of clays in different different places on the planet. But it can do that for a reason. The intestinal tract is built entirely different than ours in many ways. And we can't handle that clay. And like I said, the bonami in the sink, we can't we can't handle that clay. So just giving you that as another 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 tidbit here. That's what I wanted to not forget. I feel like that after we explored so much with the gut and everything else and the gut health that I was gonna forget that. Um any any herbal tea going on? Anybody got something? Can I drink something now? It's we're already past an hour. We still got a ways to go. And I'm gonna have a sip. So just bear with me. So I could just keep my throat moist. So the liver's role is to create bile, to break down fats, to thin them out in the bloodstream so our heart doesn't weaken, so our heart isn't bombarded by high fat. But what we do is we end up getting in trouble and we get our liver broken down and it gets stagnant, it gets sluggish, and it gets problematic and we can't even protect our heart. Diabetes. Diabetes is going to get thrown into the thyroid trap as well. You know, I guarantee you that's going to head into the thyroid trap, diabetes. It's going to be one of these things where where um, it's going to be like, well, you know what? Diabetics, people with type 2 diabetes develop develop a thyroid problem. So obviously it's a thyroid that's – it's all part of the thyroid. No, it's it's not. The diabetes type 2, diabetes type 2 is a liver condition. That's a liver condition. That's a liver becoming dysfunctional. And losing its storage, losing its glucose, losing its glycogen storage, not being able to break down fats. And then the fats building up, building up in the heart, building up in other places, building up in the bloodstream. So it's really kind of a separate issue. What is connected, what is connected in general with the thyroid and everything else, the thyroid is a... It is a symptom, becomes symptomatic. I mean, part one of the things that gets affected by not by anything but something else. What happens is when we get all these different symptoms that are liver related, a lot of them, we get all these different symptoms that are being thrown into the thyroid bag tingles and numbness, confusion, brain fog, aches and pains, all these different things that are keep that keep on getting thrown into the thyroid trap. Um, you know, symptoms, hot flashes, uh, thrown into the thyroid trap. Um, you know, the, the list goes on. I'm forgetting about a lot of symptoms. I'm sure you probably are thinking, how come he's not saying this symptom? Well, it's probably that symptom too. Um, and, uh, so when it gets thrown in there, there is an affiliation. Affiliation is most of these symptoms are created by a viral condition by the Epstein-Barr underlying cause. It just so happens the Epstein-Barr, if you've read book one, the Epstein-Barr gets into the thyroid causing a thyroid problem too, which is one of these things. But it's not the reduction of the thyroid hormones or the thyroid becoming problematic or nodules on the thyroid that are causing all these other symptoms that are causing these problems. And that's, the, that's what we have to get across. It's important. The thyroid, you can get a temperature fluctuation if a thyroid is problematic. That's a symptom from the thyroid. That is one of the symptoms from the thyroid. The thyroid has very few symptoms when you have – this is an example. I have people that don't have thyroids or have – their thyroids have been killed off. And they still kept all of their other symptoms 
all of their other symptoms. There's people that just have had hypothyroid, sorry, hypothyroidism, Hashimoto's. They've gotten their numbers better. Their Hashimoto's even back down, you know, and, and their numbers got better. They had hypothyroid and their numbers got better and their thyroid got better, but yet all their symptoms stayed. All their symptoms, whatever they were, tingles, numbness, vertigo, aches and pains, your brain fog, confusion, you name it. I mean, the list goes on. Oh, the weight gain. If, yeah, weight gain, all of it. But for some reason, their thyroid was back to normal, the doctors felt. Because it wasn't the thyroid that created those symptoms to begin with. So... Why am I even going here now in this webinar? Because when it comes down to the gut, when it comes down to our gut health and secrets of the gut health and everything, it's not the thyroid causing the gut health problems. And that's where it's going next. That's where we're heading now into trendy misinformation thyroid world. As the books keep on getting stamped out with misinformation. You know, listen, I wouldn't have any right to say that at all. If, if I wasn't giving the, given the gift that I was given and, and that gift is for you. It wasn't for me. Was, you know, and I know that I was told that and I, and I was like, Hey, a gift this is a gift for me to have. This person, this gift isn't for you. It's not for you. Okay. This, you, you're, you're, you're going to help. You're going to help, but it's not for you. All right. And it's for you guys. So that's why it's important to know. So you're going to find that if you had a SIBO diagnosis, you're eventually going to get thrown into the thyroid thing with it, you know, along the way. I mean, seriously, and you'd think, well, why would that be? Small, inte- small intestinal tract, you know, you know, bacterial overgrowth. Why would that get thrown into, um, into thyroid? It just is, it's going to. It's going to. You know, it's going to be kind of thrown in. Leaky gut's going to get thrown into the thyroid. Everything, everything gut-related is going to get thrown, bloating, cramps in the gut. You know, anything going on in the gut's going to get thrown into the thyroid, and that's, that's where it's going. So I wanted to do a gut health show because of this very reason. Um, even celiac is going to get thrown in there over time. So what can we do? What can we do? I mean, I can keep on going about the mysteries and the secrets and the truth about our gut health and everything, which I hope you guys find interesting. But what can we do for it and stuff? You know the celery juice thing. Many of you know. Maybe some of you are new to this whole thing. Celery juice has undiscovered mineral salt subgroups that they can't find. They just sodium's not all sodium, and research and science hasn't put, you know, hasn't put fifty million, a hundred million, two hundred million dollars into into analyzing celery or celery juice. Um, it hasn't done that. It'll just keep on putting those hundreds of millions into genes because genes are great because they're so interesting as heck. Everybody believes in them, and it's incredible to use as a blame game for everybody. It's your fault. Your genes are bad. That's why you got thyroid problems. It's your genes. It's always genes, 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 genes. Just never fall for that. It's one of the great mistakes I wrote in Thyroid Healing. You can read about that one. And then you, I think you're going to really like that when you read that one. You'll be like, okay, now it makes sense more than I could just tell you right now in our time frame. But, but they're not going to put $100 million into celery. It's not going to happen or a billion dollars into celery. And celery has all these different subgroups of salts, entirely different, undiscovered, entirely different. Those are the subgroups that actually build the seven blend to rebuild your hydrochloric acid. So, yeah, do I sound like a broken record? Do your celery juice? I probably do. But also I find that people forget to do it anyway, so it's good I keep on telling 
talent saying it, <laughs> you know? So, <laughs> right. Okay, so um, do four ounces of celery juice. Get the big stalks. Throw it through a juicer. Go to a juice place. Just get straight celery. If you can't stand it, put a little apple in it. If you can't stand straight celery, put a cucumber in it. I'll, I'll deal with that. I could live with that. But the more celery juice, the better your hydrochloric acid builds up. And you find a lot of your symptoms can go away because once your hydrochloric acid is built up, your liver gets a little stronger. Your liver, which is behind so many different gut health symptoms and other symptoms. Once your hydrochloric acid gets built up stronger, then protein doesn't rot. And that means whether you're a vegetarian and you're eating soy protein, I don't really like soy protein, but I understand if that's all you got is some tofu, I totally get it. But, or you're a vegan that's eating tons and tons of nuts to try to get protein and nut butters, or you're an, you know, a, a, whatever, an animal protein lover that, you know, loves the high protein animal diet and no carb diet. And that's what you love or something. And you're doing lots of meat and chicken. And pork or whatever, or lamb or whatever you're doing, and eggs, you know, the point is, is you want that stuff to break down better so it doesn't rot and putrefy as it goes through the gut. Don't do eggs. Eggs feed every bug in the body. And uh, they just do. I, I, I can't say it enough. Eggs create so many gut health problems. I want to talk about this part about gut health too, by the way. Um, with Regarding to, to how gut, the gut health works with so many people with different symptoms, many people feel like they can't digest anything, and you, you, you might be one of them, right? You might be one of them, and, um, and you'll feel like you can't digest, but there's some things you feel you can eat that you digest fine. It's not that you're digesting it fine. It's just that you don't feel it touch nerves. The nerves in the intestinal tract sometimes get so irritable and irritated, especially if you have a lot of neurotoxins. If Epstein-Barr is inside the liver or in the body or even inside the thyroid, which, by the way, um, I brought to the table for the first time in history, Epstein-Barr sits inside, is is the thyroid problem. You're going to read about it more in thyroid healing than I even did in book one, Medical Medium. Um, Of course, and... And what happens is if you've got Epstein-Barr in the liver and it's feeding off of pollutants, solvents, garbage, poisons, toxins, it's then releasing those poisons and toxins into, into your body, okay, into your bloodstream, into your bloodstream. They get into the intestinal tract. They get into the bladder. They cause nerve sensitivities, which can give you a sense of cystitis too in your, in your bladder, um, they can, these toxins build up, they get in the intestinal linings and they hit all the little nerves and they make them sensitive. You eat something like you chew a celery stick. You feel like you won't digest it. You chew a cucumber. You feel like you're not going to digest anything. You eat something like some lettuce. You're going to feel like it hurts. It doesn't digest anything because what it's doing is it's touching the linings as it's going through the intestinal tract and it's hitting every single hot nerve along the way including fruits that have berries and berries that have seeds and so forth. It just, it hits line, it hits the lining. And you may feel though, that when you eat an egg, you feel like you digested it perfectly. And I understand that if it feels good, then I get it. But the reason why eggs don't touch the linings of the intestinal tract in the colon, they don't touch the linings. 
they actually sit in the middle as like a glue that just goes through. It doesn't trigger off nerves because it's not touching anything. That's why so many people are like, I can eat an egg, but if I eat an egg on some lettuce, it's the lettuce. I can't digest the lettuce. You can digest the lettuce. It's just that it hurts if you have those one of the if you're one of those people with a really 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 hypersensitive gut issue, hypersensitive intestinal tract issue, it's gonna hurt. They have to think you have to you have to know that that that's why it's doing it. Now avocado, I notice though I can get avocado in people sometimes. Some banana if it's ripe in the right way, not fully ripe, not too ripe, overripe, and not underripe. And, you know, things like winter squash can be a lot smoother for people that are in that condition. They're really sensitive. Sometimes potatoes can, some avocados can. There's, you know, there's different foods. Steaming vegetables till they're literally, they fall through a fork. The fork falls through. It can also, you know, kind of help. But I get it. And if you eat too many things raw and crunchy and all that, it's going to touch it all. But it doesn't mean you're not digesting it. it. doesn't mean you're not digesting it. But when you drink... The celery juice and the cucumber juice. You could do cucumber juice too. You could, it's like soothing. It starts to heal those linings and heal those, heal those nerves by getting rid of those Epstein-Barr poisons out of the liver and out of the intestinal lining, which eventually will make you less sensitive on the nerves. So that's important. What not to eat. Don't eat dairy. Don't eat milk, cheese, butter, kefir, yogurt. If you can, if you have SIBO, if you have a gut problem, if you have celiac, if you have anything going on with intestinal problems, and you might be like, oh, I already know that. I'm on this diet, this big diet. It's a low, it's a low carb, high protein diet. They already got that down. But did they have it down 35 years ago when I was telling people, no, they didn't. Trust me, they didn't. And not only that, they might have that part down. But you don't want to be on high, high protein, which is high fat, ends up being high fat. You don't want to be on that with any kind of intestinal tract problems. Even if some of your symptoms are rested, you can still get the putrefaction, the sluggish liver, and the liver can get more sluggish over time, sets you up for more type 2 diabetes like prediabetes and blood sugar problems down the road when you're older. You want to get more fruits and vegetables in, which is the next thing I want to talk about is getting more fruits and vegetables in. You want you can't be afraid of fruit when it comes down to gut health. So one thing where I always get stoned, where people meaning they try to stone me to death over and and throw rotten tomatoes at me and throw you know and throw sticks and they get the pitchforks and the shovels and the torches and they just you know and they chant and they get angry because there's so much fruit fear that developed and I've said this before I'll have to say it again it only started from one guy. One guy that's popular in natural alternative medicine that didn't like fruit. He, but he, what he did like, though, is to sell it. He liked to sell it packaged in little capsules so he can make a ton of money off of everybody. So he wanted to dominate that market. So he didn't want people eating fruit. But he wanted them to buy their little you know, fruit capsules, their little antioxidant special little fruit capsules. To make some cashola. <laughs> so, so, you know, but spread the word into basically a few different modalities of medicine. Spread the world in, word in, you know, oriental medicine, which I love. Spread the world word in, um, um, you know, Eastern medicine, different varieties of Eastern medicine. Spread the word in acupuncture, which, you know, you know, that, that variety of, uh, all, because oriental medicine isn't just uh, acupuncture. There's different, 
there's different like sectors of, of oriental medicine. It's got spread into that whole area. Then it got spread into also alternative Western medicine. Um, and it just, it just got in there like a virus. Stay away from fruit causes problem, causes harms, causes harm, causes this, causes cancer, it's bad, it's sugar, it's bad. But what fruit does is it clears out streptococcus out of the intestinal tract. It can't feed strep. It clears out bad funguses, not candida. Candida lowers because of fruit. Yeah, it lowers because it's, it's, there's no need for candida to raise and eat garbage because there is no garbage. Fruit is a natural healing food. So don't be afraid of fruit. Eat more berries. If berries are the only thing you can eat, eat more berries. One of the greatest healing foods of all time for the intestinal tract is the banana. I'm going to be straightforward. Another one of the greatest foods all time of healing the intestinal tract is, is papaya. Is papaya. Two amazing foods. I've seen people with the worst conditions, intestinal tract conditions, eating papaya and banana, blending it together and recovering from the most catastrophic Crohn's, catastrophic colitis, other health conditions that were, um, that were intestinal tract and recovered. Meanwhile, they couldn't recover from just doing eggs or proteins or just proteins and no carbs. I've seen this over and over again over the years. Sure, sure. If you're really healthy and you're just gaining a little weight and you want to go on a high-protein diet, low-carb diet, and you want to exercise two hours every day, and you want to do that and lose some weight and feel better, there's nothing wrong with that. I support it. Fine. But remember, your liver still will need what it's going to need so you don't get problems down the road. If you're somebody dealing with a health condition that's gut-related now, you want to incorporate a little bit more fruit. Fruit, But you can't put fruit on top of a steak. You can't put fruit on top of a pile of nuts. You can't put fruit on top of a whole bunch of tofu. You, you just got to gotta know, you know... You got to know how to how to do it. You got to know how to do it. So you bring it in, and if you are still eating animal protein, you have the animal protein at the end of the day. Maybe your last meal of the day. So this way you can do a little bit of a smoothie in the morning, maybe a smoothie in the afternoon. Um, that's important. So, you know, you can totally do anything like that. Gut health smoothies. I like the heavy metal detox smoothie, but any kind of smoothie, banana, papaya, you don't have to do green smoothies if you don't want to. If you have a sensitive gut issue, totally sensitive gut, gut issue completely, like you're just hypersensitive and you don't want to put a whole bunch of greens inside of a blender or some kind of fancy blending machine, um, I understand. Um, just do something gentle. Do maybe a little bit of barley grass juice powder. Do that in papaya uh, and banana, a blender of papaya and banana. And just try to sip a little bit, get a little bit of this in you. Um, so that's, that's, you know, that's okay. You know, there's different things to bring, different ways to bring in a little bit more fruit into the diet with the gut health issues. But realize too that what you eat may not affect your gut until days later. You may eat something and not realize it's a, causing a problem three days later. So there's a delayed effect. And then whatever you ate that moment, you thought, was the problem. Like for instance, you can eat a piece of fruit, but if you actually have something in you that's moving through you and it finally gets to that sensitive spot, 
down there by the ileocecal valve and it gets to that second sex sensitive spot down there and then it hits that inflamed spot right when you're eating an apple and the apple never even got down past the duodenum yet it never even got down out of your stomach yet but yet the timing was right where peristaltic action because you were just eating peristaltic action just squeezed finally some food that you had two days ago right down to your ileocecal you're going to blame the apple that's another confusion that happens all the time all the time. So then, but you'll still eat that bad food that you ate three days ago because you don't think it caused the problem because it, it, it didn't get to that part in your intestinal tract to cause that problem. Yet, yeah. it's another thing to be concerned about. Probiotics, that's a big thing everybody worries about and everything. I would try to grow something one time a year, any time a year, whatever you can do, grow anything. Grow it in a pot inside, grow sprouts because you get those elevated biotics that nobody knows about. It's still a secret. I put it in book one. I talked about it before in radio shows and nobody still knows about it out there. It breaks my heart. Elevated biotics is not a microorganism that's in dirt. Okay. Those are weak. They need to hide in dirt. Elevated biotics sit on the leaf. They sit on the leaf like in the garden. They sit on the tomato in the garden. They sit on things in the garden. They sit on an apple on the apple tree. They sit, go to the farmer's market and just get, you know, some organic apples. And I guarantee you they'll have the elevated probiotics. I mean, not probiotic, the elevated biotic right on top of it. And you get that elevated biotic and that produces B12 inside your intestinal tract. That's the elevated biotic that saves your life. You even have some of it in you, in your, in your ileum. You even have some in your alium that you might have gotten from a raspberry you picked walking on a trail 20 years ago. Way better than probiotics can ever be. So that's something you want to do in your life. You want to try to get out, pick a few berries, go to an organic farm that lets you go out there and you're picking your pint of strawberries right there and you eat one strawberry or whatever it is. Do it next year if you missed it this year. Maybe blueberry season's out right now. And you can go to a, a farm somewhere. But, you know, it's, it's whatever you, you can do like that. Grow something in your garden. Grow sprouts inside the house. Grow some different sprouts, fenugreek sprouts, red clover sprouts. Um, you know, grow, you know, a little bit broccoli sprouts, kale sprouts. Kale sprouts are amazing. Um, pea shoots. They'll have the, the bacteria, these microorganisms that are unstoppable. They bypass the stomach hydrochloric acid, even no matter what kind of hydrochloric acid you got built, all seven blend up to par. It can't kill these microorganisms. And they go down deep into the gut and they get our health back in our gut. Kale, farmer's market kale will have so much of this, this, this microorganism on the leaf. If you eat one piece of this kale, you can help restore your gut to get it back to where you need, to start start stomping on um, streptococcus, stomping on E. coli, stomping on viruses inside the gut. I mean, honestly, that is one of the most powerful secrets of all time that spirit blessed me with. So I can tell you. And it's that elevated biotic that's a lifesaver. And it saturates the intestinal linings and it sits in the ileum where, where it loves to stay because that's where it, it loves to go and camp out mostly, but it goes all through the intestinal tract. It sits in the ileum and it creates B12, the kind of B12 that stops methylation problems. Methylation problems are caused by Epstein-Barr. They're caused by Epstein-Barr creating tons of toxins, setting off the methylation gene mutation test. 
How do I know? Spirit told me. How do I have proof? Because I can get people to reverse that gene by getting rid of their Epstein-Barr and getting their, their toxins down. So when they get the test, the doctor's like, oh, wait a minute. You're, you don't have a gene mutation. What happened? What happened was you never did to begin with. You never did to begin with. So methylation has a lot to do with these elevated biotics on those kinds of foods. So it's another secret to getting yourself better. I've seen people do it over and over again, all since I was a child, all the way to now. Back years and years and years ago, you walk into a pharmacy and you say, you got a probiotic. They wouldn't even know what one was. And even funnier than that, tell them about elevated biotics on top of a leaf of kale. They'll look like you're insane. You know, the thing is, is, uh, I mean, you can go about all the way back, look for, go into a pharmacy back 25, 30, 30 years ago, 25 years ago, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, and ask for golden seal. And they'll think you're like an alien with like two heads. Now they're the experts. Everybody's an expert now. Unbelievable. But I want you a real expert. Okay. I want you real. I want you to take the expertise you do have. And some of the jewels and gems you did find in some of the misinformation that's out there because there's still some goodies in it all. You just got to pick and choose. You got to pick it like fruit on a tree. You got to pick it like, you know, you just got to pick through it. Hold on to those pieces that you did learn from some great people out there. But take these truths. Take this information. Tuck it tuck it under your arm. Okay? And be, and be that real expert. I'm excited that you guys are here. I covered, excuse me, dry throat. I covered a lot, but I know there's other things to cover. (laughs) We're going to have to keep on doing this stuff and doing this stuff. Okay, so listen, uh, some other tips, okay, probiotics. You can take a regular probiotic, any kind of probiotic you want. You can take the ones, you know, they're soil-borne microorganisms. You take other probiotics. Um, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Of course. They're not totally unhelpful. Okay, so there's a couple of them that I do have on my website that I like. I think there's a couple there. They're not totally unhelpful. They they can aid in some ways. And digestive enzymes, it's it's give or take. Some people like them. Some people don't. Some people say they've given belly aches. Some people say they've helped them. It's all about trying it out and seeing what you like. I'm not against, you know, digestive enzymes. Um, it takes digestion, believe it or not, to, di- to actually, you know, break down and digest an enzyme capsule, but they have helped some people and some people they haven't. So it's give or take. Um, so I'm totally for that too, is, is some options. Um, celery juice of fine is the greatest secret weapon spirits ever created. I mean, or ever given me, I've ever seen aloe vera is another one. So fresh aloe vera, you cut the leaf open, don't use the green part, don't blend the green part. You cut the leaf open, you scoop out the gel, you put it in your blender, add some water, blend it, make yourself fresh aloe juice. It's incredible for your intestinal tract lining and your and your gut, your health. Okay, so that's another great, great one that I've, I've talked about on and off. Think about herbal teas, very important, nettle leaf teas and anti-inflammatory for the intestinal tract because it squelches down some of the bacteria. It also has alkaloids that are anti-inflammatory. So nettle leaf tea, lemon balm tea kills off streptococcus, E. coli, C. diff, staph, and even Epstein-Barr virus. Listen, lemon balm tea. 
for the intestinal tract, that's fine. One more thing I think I want to leave you with. Be cautious on all the cleansings, all on the intestinal tract cleansings that are out there, cleansers and cleansing programs and everything else. Be cautious. Even if one did you pretty good, don't keep on doing it over and over again. Just try to eat more leafy greens. Try to get more leafy greens and more fruits in your diet over time. It'll do more than, than a 30-day cleanse because the 30-day cleanses put your adrenals under arrest. They put, they put duress or they put them under stress, I mean. They put the adrenals under stress. They put the liver. This liver does not like to be cleansed and purged and pushed like that. So it puts the liver under massive stress. It puts the kidneys under massive stress. It puts all those different programs. I don't care how fancy they are, how many herbs are involved, how much maple syrup and cayenne pepper is involved, how much whatever is involved, how much olive oil is involved. Be careful with all those flushes, the liver flushes, the gallbladder flushes, the cleanses, all the different variety of cleanses. I won't name them all. And be careful, okay? The body doesn't like to be pushed that hard. Bring in more leafy greens, more fruits and vegetables. Get the celery juice in every day and get rid of the foods that you normally eat that you know you shouldn't be eating that we talk about here, Spirit and I, and at Medical Medium. Get rid of those foods because you can't keep on doing cleanses every single year. You're going to break down adrenals. You're not going to you're not going to fare well from them in the end. You've got to find a rhythm. Keep the bad foods out. And do the longer-term thing for your gut health. That's the most important message I can give you guys. I love you, and I stand behind you. And uh, Spirit and I got your back. That's right. Spirit and I got your back. Know that I care. And uh, I'm honored, truly honored you're here. I can't even tell you. Seriously. I can't even tell you. You know when I got this gift? When I was four years old. And I told you earlier during this webinar that the gift was given to me for you. It was given to me for you. It's for you guys. That's what it's for. And um, just take advantage. Take advantage. Take anything you can get from it. Anything you can get from it. Okay? I love you. Take care.